Okay, here we are. Matthew, North Langley, welcome to yet another episode of After Sunday with Matthew Price and Corey Alstead. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Good. Yeah? Good. Good. Yeah, we uh, spent some time away uh, as a family on Vancouver Island for spring break. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Where, where on Vancouver Island? It's a town called Souk, mm, and mm-hmm. there's a little uh, cabin, Yeah. and uh, it's right on the water. Oh, and um, there's a connection with a family from our church. And oh, it was who's just... your family? <laughs> <laughs> Going to need that afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this is so, so, so such a fun place. And our kids were like walk, looking out the windows, like oh. trying to find like sea otters and uh, seals yes. and stuff like that. There's no whales at this time of year, but mm. um, it was just so fun for us. So great. Yeah. That was uh, over spring break. Over spring break. Yeah. We, yeah. Do you know that we've like Sook has been, well, not, I shouldn't say our How place. How did you like, say it? I would say Sook, but is it Sook? Oh man, that's probably what the locals say, hey? I said I Sook. Oh, I don't, yeah, I've heard both. I have heard both. I think it's, I always thought it was Sook. Whatever, I don't hmm. know. Um, for Sook. He for Sook. That's <laughs> right, for Sook. We use, we've been to Sook a number of times. We, uh, and we've done the, like we've, uh, I mean, we've, we've paid for the cabins when we've gone. <laughs> How do you know uh, this one was free? <laughs> was that? You well, you said that you got a oh maybe oh right you got a connection so maybe it was, maybe it cost you maybe it was maybe it wasn't no it was it was <laughs> gifted it was gifted yeah yeah, yeah, yeah very generously no and we had the same scenario where we uh, we went uh, we we've, we've gone a couple times and we just love it it's just such a fun kind of a bit of a hippie town like and it's just yeah. uh, and on the water so gorgeous um, we love yeah we love it we uh, it's beautiful we went down to what's the you can you can go way down to like the southernmost tip. I think it's the southernmost tip, and it's like it's funny because there's this big sign, and it says you are now entering, I think tsunami territory or, so, or tsunami hazardous territory yeah, or something. I saw a couple tsunami things when I was there. Yeah, Little and it's sign. like because it's so low and it's just flat, and you're like, yeah, I can like you feel like you're almost you know the prairies where you can see for miles. Yeah, it's like that, but it's ocean that you look at, and you're like, right. oh yeah, I could see if there was if there was a tsunami, we'd be in trouble here. We went to this beach called Mystic Beach. Okay. It's honestly unreal. Huh. It's like a, you have to walk an hour. Our kids did great because yep. sometimes they like to whine on right. long yeah, yeah, hikes. Sure. Um, and, but we got down to the beach and it was beautiful. There's like a waterfall that goes mm. into the beach or into oh, the ocean. Into the ocean. Oh, nice. And they have like this rope swing and uh, Corey is being so loud. <laughs> with his Just trying to get comfortable here. Seat. I, oh, this Are you comfy? I, I feel comfy now. This is much better. Yeah. I'm just like, just lounging. <laughs> Sorry, uh, you were saying waterfall and nope, beach. No, nope, oh, you weren't listening. The moment passed. It's done. No. Um, Sook is awesome. We love it. And we wasn't there. There's a place that's very famous for its. Um, it's like a swimming hole. I think there's like waterfalls and stuff. And there's. It's called the Sook potholes. Yes. But yeah, yeah. we didn't go there. We didn't. We went to see it. And then we didn't actually end up swimming there because it was, it was kind of cold and rainy. And we're like, oh, maybe we'll come tomorrow. And we just never did. Mm. So fun. Great story. Yeah. <laughs> I know. True story. <laughs> Seriously. So weird. Um, <laughs> I just listened to this podcast. It was so funny not to give ourselves competition. But um, the guy was just one of those. This actor was John Hamm's an actor. And he was saying how he like he uh, he flew into. He's talking about it in like 1992. He's telling his story. And it's like, you know, and I and anyways, in 95, I, I, I flew to L.A. And I, I and the guy's like, and so the guy's like, no way. I like I moved to L.A. in 95. And then everyone's like, really? Like, that's a great story. Thanks so much. Uh, go on, John. It just totally, totally burns. It was so funny. Anyways, like, I've, there was a lot of people that moved to L.A. in 95. Anyways, it was so funny. Um, hey, what are, you, uh, what are you watching these days? You you uh, watch anything special? or? Yeah, Tony and I like those uh, British um, dramas, like yeah. uh, Broadchurch. Oh, so good. Broadchurch. Yeah, and kind of shows like that. So this was... Happy uh, Valley. Happy Valley. That's a, that's a yeah, really that good was, one. Yeah, yeah. That was intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're watching one. It's a Scottish one called Shetland, and yes, it's these I've islands north of Scotland. And mm-hmm. you know what I like about it? I really like. I'm not trying to give like a Christian, whatever. I I'm just saying. Coming. No, I really like truth. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. This guy, this detective, he's just awesome because he is like all about truth, hmm. and he he just knows how to ask the right question. Yeah, because there's lies everywhere. Everyone's right. lying, right? Right. You know, yeah, yeah. And just the way he just walks around, and he's like, can just kind of see through people. Mm. <laughs> he's like, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where were you that night? Where were you? What were you doing? What was you know? Right. I love it because mm. it just feels like a show of like cleaning house. Right. He's just and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
it takes a certain disposition, right? Because he's he doesn't trust anybody. Yes, <laughs> so right, right. I don't really want to live my life that way. But, yeah, yeah. But anyway, it just feels like truth is uncovered. All the things that are hidden will be made known, you know? Mm, and yeah. it's just a very, we're, we're only um, four or five episodes in, but it feels like it's very satisfying. Yeah. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like whenever truth comes to light, it's satisfying. It's like expectation and reward. That's right. Right. You're hoping. Yeah. Uh, how many seasons? It's three seasons. Okay. And they have eight shows per season. But the cool thing is that like show one and two are, are just one unit. Okay. Like, so it's like, like an hour crime is figured out in an hour and a half. So it's like two 45 minute episodes and then it's done. Okay. And then you move to the second story. Yeah. Which is two episodes. And then the third story, then the fourth story. And that's the season is done. So really one season is four mini stories. Gotcha. Okay. And then it's three seasons. So it's probably 12 mini stories. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Where he oh, is just cool. a detective and he figures out 12 crimes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, I love that. I think what I loved about Broadchurch, uh, to me, that first season of Broadchurch is maybe mm. one of the best shows on television, in my opinion. I just, totally. it's just so amazing. It's, it's dark. So it's about a child who is murdered. So it's, a, you know, it's a little bit bleak, but it's, um, what I loved about it was just the style of filmmaking. Like it was beautiful, the cinematography, mm-hmm. which it often yes. is. Yes. Uh, it's just a little slower, like, but in a yeah. way when you have like, you know, it's obviously it's slower is not good if you don't have great characters, but because the characters are so believable, and so great. Like you're just, you're okay. And, and of course the cinematography is so beautiful. Yes. You're kind of, it's like, there's something really almost, almost restful about watching it. Cause it's not nearly as stimulating. You know what I mean? Yes. Like as a, as a classic, whatever. Yeah. Um, mainstream show. So I know I watched the show and I'm like, Oh, like just Scotland, like these mm-hmm. islands off the mm-hmm. Scottish coast. And I'm like, I'd love to live there. And Tanya was like, no, you wouldn't. Yeah, I like, know. Yeah. <laughs> you need enough people around you. Like, that isolation, like yes. living in these tiny little, yeah, yeah. Totally, I know. Exa- I do the same thing. I romanticize stuff. Like I'll do that with the East Coast, and and Sherry's always like, no, like we'd be away from like our family, our kids, like how you know our community, like how. But I kind of like ah, oh, but I think, I think I can picture you know like, later at night and like just a fire burning in the hearth, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm I'm just I'm writing. You know, I'm sitting at a desk. I'm writing. It's raining outside. You know what I mean? You can hear the waves crashing on the shore. One of my dogs comes over. I don't know. No? And the birds. And the bar- the birds. Just <laughs> flying overhead. There's just something. Writing poetry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. And the church like, there's no, you'd be, you'd be bored and depressed probably in about, about Five an hour or two. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay. Real quickly. What are you reading these days? You reading anything interesting? Uh, I'm still reading the Philip Yancey memoir. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. It's really good. Yep. I really, I liked, uh, you sent me that podcast with him yes. on unbelievable that yeah. was really great i really yeah. liked i like him so much and yeah totally his troubled relationship with his mom but yeah, yeah what, what about you um yeah yeah i'm reading i just got a new book i'm still it's funny i've got a few books on the go right now but um i just got a new book that i'm excited about it's called from strength to strength and uh it's all about kind of weightlifting st- um yeah <laughs> yeah as you know i love i'm a, I'm a big lifter <laughs> yes uh so this is all about that yeah just how to bulk up and uh, and then shed uh, something? No, cut. You bulk up and then you cut. <laughs> uh, no, this is um, this is all about second half of life. Yes. Uh, and what does success look like in your? Hmm. And especially, uh, he kind of makes a point of talking about um, parenting because we're now in second half of life parenting, which is hmm. weird, right? Because our kids are. I am no longer Matthew, and I know right now you are. You're the you're the guy with your kids. You are the guy. You've got the answers. Dad will know what to do. Dad's. And as you get older, what's yes. what's hard for men and probably for women too, but for I know as a man, I can say, you suddenly are like, oh, I'm no longer. I'm actually often now going to them and being like, mm. hey, what's Max? Can you help me with this? <laughs> or like, wow. or it's like Ruby, you know, she's like, Dad, can I let me here? Let me just let me do that for you, you know? And I'm like, ah, oh. and that's actually pretty widespread. So I'm like, oh right. So what is my role now? Anyways, I love those kind of books. So this is a good one. And um, cool. I don't. I didn't think it was a Christian book. I don't think it is. But I noticed on the back that uh, one of the endorsees after I got it was uh, Bishop Robert Barron. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was like, "This is a fantastic." It sounds like it really meant something to him personally. So wow, that was really cool. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it's good. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that yeah, sounds good. So we're uh, diving into another controversial issue here today, Matthew. Yes, we are. This is good. Yeah. Yes, I think um, it's good. So. It was really great uh, on Sunday um, just to kind of uh, 
hear from Janet on our team. She was, she was just encouraging us to do this podcast because mm. in the first service I had preached the sermon on Elijah right. and, uh, you know, uh, just this, this, I, this moment when Elijah calls down fire from heaven to destroy his enemies yeah, and, uh, these soldiers are coming for him and, and in the, and, and Jesus, uh, tells his disciples, James and John, don't, don't do that. Don't call down fire from heaven on this Samaritan village. Right. They're heading to Jerusalem. They're in an enemy kind of Samaritan village they're and they're an, like, Hey, yeah. should we call down fire from heaven? And, and Jesus rebukes them. He right? rebukes them. Yeah. Yeah. He says, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they move on to another village. And so, um, the title of the sermon was don't nuke your neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Like and, that. and it was interesting because it is a real tension because Elijah did hmm. and Jesus yep, yep. didn't. Right. And so, you know, why was it okay for Elijah and why does Jesus seem to have a different plan? If Jesus is God, this doesn't make any sense. Right. And so Janet was actually like, well, why don't you follow up with a podcast? So I didn't say this in the first service, but in the second service I said, Hey, we're going to follow up with a, with a podcast this week. So just to talk a little bit about what seems to be the, um, the difference between, uh, Jesus and, uh, I say seems because maybe there's a difference, maybe there isn't whatever, Mm -hmm. But there definitely seems to be a difference between how Jesus operates and how God seems to operate in the Old Testament. Right. And what do we do with that? Um, and you and I had had a discussion two years ago yeah, yeah, uh, I on that. this podcast. Yep. And so I actually went back and, and I've dusted off some, uh, some old notes here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've made some changes. But I, really, if you heard this um, two years ago, this is going to sound somewhat similar, but there's some new thoughts, some new ideas that we want to wrestle with. Yeah. But, but I, I, I really think, um, rather than us just posting an old podcast, I yeah. actually wanted to talk about it again. Like, totally. so I wanted to talk through these arguments again and see how they really stand up two years later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> you know? Totally. Um, yeah. You okay with that? I'm okay with that. Yeah. I like, I think it's a super, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, but I, uh, for me, this, I feel like uh, in general, just the idea of what, what has felt like an inconsistency yes. in scripture, as far as saying, well, God has, seems to have said this, you know, or is, is reported to have said this, you know, and whether it's Elijah or whether it's Joshua and the conquests and like, you know, destroy everyone, don't leave anyone alive, you know, Saul, you know, um, like there's lots of these stories. Uh, and then we have Jesus saying, like, no, like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he seems to be quite anti-violent, actually. Yeah. You know? So 100%. then it's like, well, wait a second, but Jesus is God, right? Jesus makes the claim, as does Paul and other authors. They're saying, like, you know, God, Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. So then, and God never changes. So, you know what I mean? Then it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so we've got a little bit of a dilemma. It, growing up, it was always an embarrassment of mine. This was an embarrassing thing for me. Really? I felt, as a Christian, yep, I felt very, because people would say that. They'd be like... Yeah, well, your God is like, you know, your God is commits genocide or your God, you know, whatever they people yeah. would say, like they, he, he promotes the killing of women and children, you know? And I'd be like, hmm. no, you know, no, but I, but I didn't. And then you'd have this, wow, they were really barbaric. You know, the, uh, back then, you know, all these people were barbaric. So it, it, we, we couldn't understand right now. And I was always, I would make those arguments cause I didn't know what else to say, huh. but I didn't, I didn't know what to say. And I was like, this, this feels, I don't understand. Yeah. This is embarrassing. So well, good for you. Actually, to be embarrassed. I actually grew up loving the war stories in the Old Testament. Mm, it's mm. like, yeah, God wins, mm, yeah. and the enemies got slaughtered. Right, right. I, I, for some reason, I didn't. Maybe it was didn't. the American. Yeah. In me. <laughs> this but is I, when I was a little older. Maybe maybe when oh, I was more of a teenager. Okay, I suppose. Okay. Like, I see um, what you're saying. Although I think I took. Sorry, not to not to hug the uh, the mic here, but I think I told you the no, story. No, this of, is all about you. Really? Yeah. Okay. I want. I actually wonder. This is good. That's good. good. I wondered if it was. Um, no. And I remember telling Max as a little. I told you the story, but Max is a little boy. I was telling him. This is kind of connected. Um, the story of David and Goliath, and how That's and right. how David killed Goliath, and then, and it was this. You know, this like the heroic story of David killing Goliath, and then, and it was all quiet. And then Max, this is he's like four years old or something. He's like, "Do you think Goliath's mom was sad?" <laughs> I was like, just so I, I remember know. you telling me that yeah, story. And I was like, it's oh, so well, precious. Uh, you know, I'm like, hmm. Um, and again, it's like, ah, oh, she's probably a barbarian <laughs> woman who who didn't care at all, and who, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But but it's like, you know, little kids, right? They they kind of they get it if they think about it. It's like, yeah. oh, that that sounds. What about what about the parents? How do they feel? Right. So, anyways, yeah, this is great. <clears throat> That's okay. Well, cool. Well, here we go. Uh, just Jesus and violence in the Old Testament. Hmm. 
So first, just a couple of caveats. I'm not an expert on this. Um, I, I was just doing some reading with people like Tim Mackey or Paul Copen, William Lane Craig, Ron Sider, Douglas Stewart. Um, and so I just, I don't, I think we're just having a conversation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah totally. uh, number two, these are arguments that have helped me. So there may be some uh, points that, uh, that I'm not using that have been helpful to you, which is awesome. But these are ideas that have helped me personally. And third, um, I just want to be humble about all of this. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to solve the issue today. So I feel like, spoiler alert, you're probably not going to feel perfectly awesome at the end of this podcast. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> there remains a tension. And there just, I think there just will be a tension. And it's actually going to be one of the final things I say today. But just um, that following Jesus, uh, uh, it, it's just going to feel like a tension. Mm. Um, and so we have to walk humbly. And, and, and to be honest, is just to listen to people who are really having a struggle. Maybe they're deconstructing and they're going, it just seems so violent. And, mm -hmm. and for us to go, no, 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 it's not violent. And just be like, no, yeah, <laughs> like yep. it seemed, it's very violent. Mm -hmm. um, what I hope to offer are like if we were rock climbing, little, little holds. Mm -hmm. um, they're not big, <laughs> right. but they're sufficient, I think, for me to continue to grow and to climb and to continue on with Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Some people have not found these holds, these, if you can picture like these like cracks in the wall or, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if you're in a, in a rock climbing gym, like the hand holds or whatever for your feet or hands for some, these are not sufficient. So I, these actually, I think if I remember, we talked about a couple of these two years ago, I, th I think you found a couple of these not sufficient. Right. So yeah, yeah. I'm so, anticipating that. <laughs> Just joking. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 I'm looking forward to it. Um, and so I, I think I want to say here at the outset, I think we should all feel weird about this, which sounds funny. About, you should, about this, you mean like about violence, the Old Testament, Jesus? Sorry, yeah, yeah about yeah. The, the discrepancy. Right. Uh, yeah. I almost feel like we we're not reading our Bible very carefully if we don't feel weird. Yeah, like, totally. Cause, uh, because, like you mentioned earlier, Colossians 1.15 says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Right, yeah. So... God's invisible, can't see him. The sun is the image of God. Mm -hmm. So when I look at Jesus, that is what God is like. Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Exactly. And then, this is even uh, more to the point, is Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. These are the, I'm just going to read this. This is the opening three sentences of the book of Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and, and catch it, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful, powerful word. Hmm. Man, like if you're wanting to know uh, how God speaks, the, the writer of Hebrews says, yeah, there was all these ways in which God spoke in the past, but he doesn't say ignore those, <laughs> but he does say, but in these last days, in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, like, right. you know, yeah. and, and the son is like literally the exact representation. So we, we shouldn't think, oh, Jesus is like kind of like God. He's got some attributes of God. Right. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says it's exact. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an exact representation. So if we're, if we're followers of Jesus, who's Emmanuel, God with us, the image of the invisible God, then when I look at Jesus, that's what God's like. Jesus is the exact representation of God, which means when I look at Jesus, I see God loving his enemies, God forgiving his enemies, God turning the other cheek. God is a peacemaker. Mm -hmm. Jesus is God. Yeah. Yeah, and therein lies the the tension, right? Because it's like it just it feels, yeah, it it feels so obvious, right? When you read that, it's like, well, okay, so, so then what? <laughs> you know, the, so then what? The problem yeah. becomes so clear, and and yeah. not only that, but I and and you know, we're all guilty of this on different levels. But you you're you know you're from America, and like you think about like all the, and all over the world, all the money poured into military and. And again, whatever, that's that's probably a different conversation as far as what, what justifies. Is there any sort of justification for war and all those kinds of things? But, you know, you're like, man, it's like, so if God is, if if it's true that Jesus is demonstrating that God 
is anti-violent or against violence, right? I know you may not want to cash it. Like, I don't know if that, that phrase uh, sums it up, you know, uh, but, but it's like, okay, so then like, yeah, how, man, if, and if often Christians are, we're totally supportive of, let's say, violent actions, or we're saying like, no, no, this, you know, we got to, got to invade that country. We got to, you know, do this, or it's time to take, you know, it's like, man, this, this really shakes, it shakes up a lot of things. But of course, yes. a lot of Christians are saying, no, no, God, God, there's precedent for this. There is precedent for this, right? Yes. And even like, like you said in the sermon there, it's like, um, when they're, when the disciples are saying, hey, let's, let's call down fire from heaven. Like it, there's, there was precedent for it. It wasn't like they're, That's right. they're, in, in a sense, you're like, well, they're not out of line if they're following yeah. the scriptures well. It's like, yeah, this this is what is yeah. reported to have been an okay thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we got some work ahead of us here. We do, yeah. Okay, so uh, I could name some troubling passages. Um, I could start with Exodus 17, where God says, I'll completely blot out the name of Amalek under heaven. Um, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Um or Joshua 6, um, that uh, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so everyone charged straight in. They took the city, they devoted the city to the Lord, destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. Pretty pretty violent. Yep, yeah. And to our passage on Sunday, um, Moses, or, sorry, Elijah sits up on a mountain, and a group of soldiers come to take him, and he calls down fire from heaven. They're obliterated. Yeah. Second group comes to get him. He calls down fire from heaven. They're obliterated. Yeah. It's only the third group, and the guy is like, please have mercy on me. Like, I know what you did to the first two groups, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then God says, okay, you can go with him. You know, and he goes with them. Well, so, there's another, isn't there the other Elijah? Is it the Elijah? I always get Elijah and Elisha mixed up, but like with the, the grizzly bears and the, the kids making fun of Elijah's bald Corey, head. They called him bald. That's <laughs> okay, the appropriate that's response. Should, no, Send the right. bear to Actually, maul yeah, the children. I take, I take that one back for right. sure. Yeah. It's like if you're, you're calling someone bald, you deserve to get eaten by a grizzly or whatever. Well, ex- well th- so on Sunday, I talked about disproportionate, like escalating the conflict. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I'm exactly. like, it does feel like Elisha, like, it seems disproportionate to <laughs> it seems an, a f- I would, verbal insult. I would go out on a limb and say it's definitely <laughs> disproportionate. <laughs> disproportionate. Not yeah. only does it seem, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I want to start with a, a a point that that I don't find very helpful, and I'll be really quick with this one. Okay, um, there's there's an argument that Christians make uh, that we that when you look at violence in the Old Testament. Um, that it's it's justified because we we don't really know how awful many of these ancient peoples were, um, and the argument kind of goes like this: Listen, Matthew, if you knew the filth of these nations, the worship of demonic idols, the taboo sexual acts, the child sacrifice, etc., you would see how important it was for God to rid the earth of these people. Um, and I just don't buy that because I think of the crucifixion of Jesus, like you think of a Roman soldier who worships the pantheon of Roman gods. He literally nails the Messiah to pieces of wood. It's bad. Yeah, it's really yeah, bad. Yeah. And yet we go back to Genesis 1 to see the imago Dei, the image of God, that no matter how awful people are, they're made in God's image. Yeah. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them from totally. the cross. Yeah, looks, yeah. At the, looks at these Roman soldiers going, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in the, even in the Old Testament, we're always seeing God's love and mercy poured out on sinners. Like I think of the story of Jonah, right? right? In yep, the book yep. of Jonah, God has mercy on, Ass- on Assyria. Mm. It, that's radical. Um, and so, I, I mean, you can talk about how the New Testament doesn't jive with the Old Testament, but I think the book of Jonah doesn't jive with the Old Testament. Right, right, right yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's just like, wow, that's the God of the Old Testament, quote unquote. I don't even like saying it that way, the God of the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, but anyway, personally, I don't like this this way of thinking. Um, and uh, you know, we're all we're we're all sinners. We're all in need of mercy. I I don't think this view accounts for the children that are killed. In the Old Testament, why right. children? The children are innocent babies, barely aware of life. Uh, so I personally would never use this argument. 
Yep. No, I agree. This is, I don't know if you, you may have missed this, but, uh, but I did mention this at the very beginning. That was what I, that's what I used to, that was my little argument, right? In, in high school, I'd be like, well, it's, you know, cause that was the argument was like, you know, we, we can't comprehend how bad these people were, like these nations were these, you know, that's, so it's like, you know, sure right now here, I, I don't even know how I got to that place. Cause like, I don't know, are we that much better than, you know, it's kind of that contemporary arrogance that C.S. Lewis talks about where it's like, we're so much more evolved now. Yeah. Do you think like, I mean, so for me, what I have, what I found is just a funny thing that I found super helpful. I like Brian Zond a lot. I know you, you like a lot of his stuff and you don't always agree with everything he says, but one of the things that I found super helpful about what he said once, or he said lots, I guess, is that he just said, we should get comfortable with the fact that scripture argues with itself. Hmm. I, I really, I really like that. And I really mm-hmm. feel like it's, and it's whatever, it's a perspective thing, but even like what you just said, that Jonah doesn't necessarily jive with some of the other Old Testament passages. And I think it's, uh, it's, I feel like sometimes part of our problem here is that we we sometimes look at the Bible, or there seems to be this perspective that the Bible is like a magic book that that dropped from heaven, and that is kind of like it's this sterile thing that is clean and tidy, and everything is you know should take it at face value, and you know, and it's like it it just doesn't actually work. It can't work that way, right. which is actually to be honest, what I love. I love that about scripture. I love that it's messy. I love that it's like whoa, there's like, there's things here that, that I'm having some trouble with that I'm trying to figure out. And, and yet, of course, there's, there's other things that are incredibly, you know, where it's very clear. It's like, man, this is gold, you know, but that, that concept really helped me. Even like what, the way you said that about Jonah in the Old Testament, this idea that scripture argues with itself. And one last thing is that you, I remember just recently you and I were talking, you're saying how the Bible is not a book, it's a library. Yes. Right. Which is also kind of helpful too. It's like, we have yeah. to remember this is like many different authors, many different cultures, many different literary genres. Anyway. So yeah. What do you think of that though? The Bible argues with itself. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, uh, not to be like too much of a micromanager, but I want to like the diet, the Bible's in dialogue with itself. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, like maybe argue. I just have to think about it a little bit yeah. more. <laughs> that sounds like a Matthew response to Corey. No. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, no, totally. Yeah. No, I get it for sure. It's okay. in dialogue with itself. Because most of the Bible is wisdom literature. So you're trying yeah. to, you're trying to sort through, uh, truths that, um, that sometimes feel contradictory. Are they always, I, I that's what we're trying to actually sort out today. Right. Right. Totally. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But no, I, and I do appreciate Brian's on. Yeah, I yeah. do. He's got yeah. lots of good stuff. Yeah. Okay. I think there there's a few helpful points. So okay. I offer the first helpful point um, to me. Uh, I want to talk about hyperbole, and and this is one that I that I used two years ago in our previous podcast. But um, uh, an, an author named Paul Copen is mm-hmm. uh, really helped me understand this one, um, and and he talks. Uh, about learning to read the Bible uh, literarily. So when we say literally, mm-hmm. um, th- that, and we've talked about this on, on other podcasts, that it's kind of a, it's an unhelpful term, or mm, it's actually, maybe actually an appropriate term, because it still gets on with the word literature. It's connected to the word literature. Yeah. Um, but when we think uh, literally, we have a concept in our mind of what that means. Uh, right. And so... What is our capacity to understand tools of literature like allegory, hmm. metaphor, poetry? Um, and the one I want to highlight here is hyperbole. Yeah, hyperbole. So um, I, I think hyperbole is used in the Bible. And I know that may sound dangerous to some people who might be listening to this, but um, hyperbole are just exaggerated statements not intended to be taken uh, maybe um uh, exactly. Right. Literally. Yeah. 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 Literally. Yeah. It's a, it's a creative use of language. Mm-hmm. And so, um, let me just give a couple examples here. Um, uh, first of all, there's this, there's this ancient stone called the, uh, Merneptah stone. Um, okay. and it was found it's, it's, uh, it describes Pharaoh's military victories. It's from like 1200 BC, like 1200 years before Jesus. Right. And, uh, this renowned archeologist found it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, it, it mentions Israel um, in this, and you can imagine, this is 3,200 years old, right? This, right. This, yeah. this stone tablet that they found. And it says, um, it, it contains the earliest undisputed extra-biblical reference to Israel. Hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And here it is. Quote, 
Israel is wasted. Its seed is no more. End of quote. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. (laughs) (laughs) Israel continued to grow into a much larger nation um, after after this attack from Egypt. So, So... Clearly, now you could say, you could argue, well, that's not the Bible. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was an ancient stone they found. Mm-hmm. But, but, but as we read the Bible, we, it seems like the Bible picks up on this kind of writing. Totally. So example number one would be in Joshua chapter 11, we read that the Anakites are totally wiped out. But in Joshua 14, Caleb says there are Anakites. Hmm. Um, another example would be the Amalekites, right? So uh, in 1 Samuel 15... Uh, we read this, Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Hmm. Fifteen chapters later, in 1 Samuel 30, now the Amalekites had raided the Negev. <laughs> right, yeah. So it's like, wait, wait. I thought... 15 chapters earlier, they totally destroyed the Amalekites. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, nope, apparently there's still Amalekites. That's called hyperbole. Yes, right. Um, A third example is in Joshua 10, we're told that no Canaanites survived, which is interesting. But Joshua 15, Canaanite people are still there. Still there, right. Yep, yep. And then a final example here, um, in Jeremiah 25, uh, God is speaking, and he says, quote, I will completely destroy them. Uh, and and he says, everlasting ruin. And he says, lay waste the towns of Judah so that no one can live in them. Right. Um, this is hyperbole because clearly Judah survived. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> Jesus comes from the tribe of Judah. So right. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, <laughs> it's it's yeah. like, so God is speaking hyperbolically. So here's a quick question for you about that, yes. Matthew. Would you say definitely that was God speaking hyperbolically? Or was that the writer, who is a human being, writing this down, believing, you know, believing that this writer is, you know, heard from God and is re- and recording what God has said? You'd definitely say it was God using hyperbole. Or would you say maybe it's actually, you know, God communicated and this person has taken it and kind of running with it and going for it and be like, ah, oh, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll exaggerate it just a little bit. I think the first. Okay. <laughs> Good. Yeah, it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, dangerous little question there. <laughs> it's not it's just a question. <laughs> um, I, I I do think so. I think Jeremiah, I'm trusting. Um, we could get into canonization and how scriptures were put together and yep. trust. And there's a lot of trust that I'm putting in in the early church that they selected books. And I'm putting a lot of trust in ancient Jewish scribes that put together these scrolls. And totally, I am putting a lot of trust that that's true. So, yep. yeah. So... Anyway, I just really want us to be careful readers of the text, and and hyperbole is just simply common. It's a common way of writing in ancient Near Eastern war texts. So I'm not surprised that we find it in the Old Testament. Totally, and we it seems like Jesus used hyperbole as well, right? It seems like, or at least he like when he talks about you know it's it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to right you know um, yeah. uh, get to heaven or whatever you know and the, right and they're like well. The disciples are like, well, how is, any, how is anything possible, right? And then God says, with man it's impossible, but, but with God everything's possible, right? Mm-hmm. Or even when he says, like, you know, it's better to gouge out your right eye yes. if it causes you to sin. Because, again, we, if we were taking him literally, we would, all, we would all gouge out our eyes, right? Right. But instead, he's, maybe he's making a larger point by... Mm-hmm. And is rhetoric the same as hyperbole, would you say, or no? Ooh, good question. Because rhetoric feel, like, it feels similar, right? It's like, like military rhetoric or... Yeah. Quick, go find an English major. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, don't I don't know any English majors. Um, okay, do you find that kind of helpful? With I do. Oh, yeah, I absolutely do. I think it. I I find it super helpful and super okay. um, engaging. I can imagine, as you can too. Like, okay, I can imagine certain. Yeah, certain uh, a certain sort of uh, Christian might feel. I can imagine it being a little bit dangerous, being like, "Well, wait a second. Then how? Then how do we know?" Who, who do we look to then, you know, to figure these things out? If How do we know what's true then? If it's like, right. this is exactly, are you saying that there's like, is this everywhere? Like, could we, do we right. know that this this happened? Or, you know, it does feel like it opens a bit of a can of worms for, sure, for people, sure. right? Which I'm I comfortable mean, with, but yeah. I feel like this shouldn't be too dangerous for people who love God's word and want to see it as God's word. Because if I said to you, like, everything came crashing down, you'd be like, 
probably not everything. And I don't even know what right, you're talking about. Right, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, and our kids do it all the time, right? Like our kids yeah. will be like, oh man, like, you know, like we destroyed, or yeah, we, like we killed them. It's like, well, actually you won five to three. Like you didn't really, dis- you know, you, exactly. you did win, but you, you know, um, right. which again, Pete Enns or others would say, this is what God's children, God lets his children tell the story, right? Right. <laughs> it's like all these people that you, you keep love throwing so out these people <laughs> the, the, that God people? is, yeah, God loves and absolutely, yeah, yes. and who love God, yeah. <laughs> okay, another point: helpful but not very helpful. Okay, this one is not very helpful, and actually, I don't actually love it. Okay, so I'm going right. to do it really quickly. Okay, um, one argument is that God limits what Israel can do, so He limits total destruction um, and that he kind of gives rules for his people. So um, the idea here is that Israel is a theocracy, right? God is king. Right. Yeah. He, he rules over them um, and, and that it was a very unique situation. Um, God is dealing with Israel in a unique way as a covenant people in a way he doesn't deal with any political reality today. Now that I agree with. Hmm. I think God, like there's specific land, there's temple, there's law you and I live in Canada. We don't yeah. have like, you know, the temple that we can go to in Ottawa to, you know, commune with God. And right, the right. laws of Canada are not given to <laughs> the founding people of Canada on a mountain, right? right. Like it's just, it's, it's just a different situation. Israel was a theocracy, not a modern democracy. Okay. 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 So I feel like we're dealing with apples and oranges. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so in this theocracy, he seems to um, limit destruction. So again, I don't find this super helpful, but let me just say it. If you look at Jericho, Jericho was more of like a military outpost. Mm-hmm. Um, there were civilians there, but it's not like it's a center for civilians, I'm told. So Joshua Ryan Butler, he's an author in his book, The Skeletons in God's Closet. He writes, quote, the cities Israel takes out are military strongholds, not civilian population centers. So when Israel, quote, utterly destroys a city like Jericho or Ai, we should picture a military fort being taken over, not a civilian massacre. God is pulling down the Great Wall of China, as it were, not demolishing Beijing. Hmm. Israel is taking out the Pentagon, not New York City. Okay. Um, uh so you can start just to tell why I don't find this super helpful because it's kind of like, but there probably still were some civilians there, right? Right. you know? And so someone named Andy Patton writes, um, in the lost world of the Israelite conquest, John Walton suggests that the point of Israel's invasion was more about the dismantling of the community of which the Canaanites were a part of than ending their lives. It could be compared to what the allies set out to do during world war two they were on a mission to end the Nazis, the Nazi regime, mm-hmm. but that didn't mean they had to kill every German. Hmm. If you link this in with the hyperbole comment, yeah. then you might get a little bit of traction. It's kind of like, okay, they went to Jericho, they went to AI, these are military outposts or whatever, Yeah, but they're not just going to blanket kill every quote-unquote German. Right, you know? right, yeah. I don't put a lot of weight on this argument. This would not convince me, to be honest, if I was really struggling with this. I feel like it feels weak, but I just wanted to mention it. Yep, totally, totally. Yeah, it seems, I agree, because it feels a little bit like, you know, so God doesn't destroy, destroy entire nations, just a handful of people, you know what I mean? Or just like, right, a, right. you know, maybe it's not 100,000, maybe he only kills like 20,000, you know, which is like, oh, right. that doesn't really help too no. much. My, um, yeah, my, you know, my... The, the ethical dilemma that I'm having or the, the dilemma about how I see God's character um, right. or who God is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. It doesn't scratch your deconstruction itch. <laughs> deconstruction itch. I don't have a, I don't have a deconstruction <laughs> itch, Matthew. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. okay. Helpful point number helpful. three. I think this is helpful. Okay. Um, this is interesting and this is a mind bender and I did not mention this a couple of years ago. So this is something I'm just learning through the work of a guy named Michael Heiser and through Tim Mackey. Mm-hmm. Michael Heiser wrote a book called The Unseen Realm. And one thing that's really important to see in the Old Testament is that it's the story, well, actually throughout the Bible, it's a story of God, the God of Israel, being the supreme God, hmm. uh, being the Lord of Lords. And we would say the Elohim of Elohims. 
Okay. So Elohim, just God, the generic term God. Yeah. But that that really, if we were to peel back um, kind of the physical reality and see in the spiritual realm, the Bible has this understanding that there there's not just one God. Mm. There are many gods. Right. Now, we quickly resort to angels and demons. But, yeah. But that actually, that might just pause, may not be super helpful, that there are these spiritual beings... Um, anyone who's interested should check out uh, the Bible Project Spiritual Being series. It's really interesting. Mm. But that uh, from before um, uh, humanity, that at the beginning there are these spiritual beings that God delegates for tasks. Mm. Some of these beings rebelled against God, but that there is this, there's lots of Elohim, lots of gods, and that God is the chief Elohim. Mm. <laughs> he is the God of gods. He has this what's called a divine council. Um, these gods sit under his council and he sends them out to do his work. We sometimes think of like Michael or Gabriel, you know, being yeah. sent out. Um, but, and so that the story of the, you can't read the Old Testament, here's the argument, without seeing that it's a battle between the gods. Hmm, okay. That Yahweh is, Yahweh would be the God who defeats the gods, the Canaanite right. gods, the Egyptian gods, the Babylonian gods, Assyrian gods, whatever. Hmm. So that you can't understand even some of the violent clashes without understanding that this is a power game where God is victorious over the gods in the in the Middle Eastern world. This is not going to help solve anything, but I just think it's important. We can't read the Bible without seeing this. Um, and, and so in the story we had a problem with, with... Uh, with Elijah. Yep. If you read the story in second Kings chapter one, when Elijah is like calling down fire from heaven, the problem was that the King Ahaziah had an injury. He fell through a roof and he's hurting and okay. he's probably going to die. Mm -hmm. So he goes to consult, um, uh, Baal the God of Ekron. Hmm. So the King of Israel should be going to consult Yahweh. Right. He should right, be going right. to God. Yes. Right. To art, the, um, the, the one who has revealed himself to Moses, right. <laughs> uh, Yahweh. And, and he doesn't go to Yahweh. He goes to Baal-zebub, right? And, 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 and there is this, there's this moment in the story where we have to realize that like Elijah um, is pronouncing a judgment that that Yahweh is the God of gods, right? That Beelzebub has no power over life and death and that, and that this is a conflict between the gods. Um, so I think, I think I'm just throwing it out there because I think we have to, it's hard for us as modern readers to wrap our minds around something like this, but it was massively uh, important mm. and, and that, that God would be fully in charge, that he would be king of kings, lord of lords, Elohim of Elohim. And so, like I said, Bible nerds like Michael Heiser or Tim Mackey encourage us to understand this entire unseen realm in the biblical story, that there's this cosmic battle that we don't really see between good and evil, light and darkness, God, and God is victorious. Hmm. Um, which I think is a huge part of the mission of Jesus on the cross, where he defeats the powers and principalities. So I know this doesn't solve any big issue with violence, but I just want to throw it out there because I'm not sure we're seeing the text fully properly. Um, are we aware of this judgment on dark powers? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not helpful, but... Well, it, just, it feels like it's making a different point is what it feels like to me. Right. You know, like if, if my dilemma is more saying, okay, but Jesus says you should love your enemies and turn the other cheek and yes. pray for those who persecute you, and then he does it as, as the visible image of God, uh, the invisible God. Like then I'm like, like I think it's super cool. And I'm like, oh, I, th I like that. I think that that feels right to me, like what you're describing, as far as there's so much more than what we can see. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really solve the problem of God... Um, commissioning um, his people to to kill other people. In particular, I mean, you, you know, you can you can decide what kind of point you want to make. In particular, not only um, not only soldiers, you know, right. that are doing battle, but actually like women and children, livestock, you know, like dogs, even maybe if they had. <laughs> it's Matthew and I's ongoing <laughs> battle about the dogs, um, but you know what I mean. Like, I'm like, it doesn't really it doesn't really scratch the particular itch that I feel like that I that I have for this. Yes. 
Um, it, Fair. One thing that it brought up for me, and it, it's not totally connected, and I, you and I have talked a little bit about this, and I, I don't, I dabble in like Gregory of Nyssa and other some of the church fathers, um, more on the Eastern side, I suppose. I am fascinated with the, like how they, how this wasn't really an issue for them, violence in the Old Testament, because so much of those stories, they they would read far more as the point being like allegories that point to Jesus. Hmm. Like they would, so they wouldn't even, uh, like from what I understand, for the most part, it wouldn't even cross their mind to try to analyze these things historically. Did they actually happen? Are these factual stories? Are they, uh, but in their mind, it's almost more like these are parables that point us to Jesus at the end of the day, or hmm. that have a larger message for us about, you know, when, when Joshua goes and destroys the city and kills every living thing. And it's like, well, that's, and that is what we are to do with the sin in our heart. It's like right, we, we right. route it out and we, you know, so for me, I remember reading that, I was like, oh, I, I, I would like to totally believe that, <laughs> you know, I'm not sure that I totally do, but I, but I'm like, it's an interesting, uh, it's interesting thing that I've encountered with a lot of these very, very early, um, and very credible, uh, people, hmm. right. That, yeah. um, that had a huge part in the history of, of the, the canon, the creeds, the, you know, I don't know. Have you encountered that? Have you any thoughts on that? Or is it just, well, it's funny stretch? cause I think I, I take them that way, whether you could make an argument about whether they're historical or right, not. I right. think I take them allegorically. Like yeah, yeah. when I think of like the conquest conquest of Joshua, I do see a victory for God. And I've yeah. always loved the phrase be strong and courageous. Don't yes, be discouraged. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my verses. Mm-hmm. And yet it's about Joshua going to battle. Right. Right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so I do take it very personally, almost devotionally. Right. You right. know. Um so I so I'm all in for that. It's just that that doesn't you're not ready I'm to say. I'm still open to say it is historical. Right, that right, it is, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, yeah. and that's maybe, but, and that's, uh, I get that. Yeah, I don't really know, I don't really know totally what to do with that either, uh, yes. whether or not you, it's whatever, there's a mystery to it for sure. But yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, so sorry, I shouldn't have given that point. No, that, wait, no. No, that was a dud. Uh, no, 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 it was Listen. good. Hey, we all, we both said a few things we didn't mean. <laughs> Okay. I think we're good. Here's the one you hate. This is hate. one I, I, I know immediately I don't not like this like. one. Okay. I don't like it. Okay, no. okay, okay, okay. This is the one you should apologize ahead of time <laughs> for. Just kidding. Okay, go for it. All right. It's the potter and the clay idea. Mm. Uh, he's the potter. <laughs> we're the clay. Um, he's the creator. Yep. I'm not. Right. So William Lane Craig, here you go. Uh, Quote, I have no right to take an innocent life. For me true. to do so would be murder. Yes. But God has no such prohibition, he can give and take life as he chooses. We all recognize this when we accuse some authority who presumes to take life as, quote, playing God. Human authorities arrogate to themselves, is that a word? Arrogate? Yeah. uh, Irrigate? Irrigate is something different. (laughs) Something very different. (laughs) Irrigate to themselves (laughs) rights which belong only to God. God is under no obligation whatsoever to extend my life for another second. If he wanted to strike me dead right now, that's his prerogative. <laughs> okay. It's so not. Oh, Corey. Matthew, okay. But Come I, on, I really, I don't believe that you truly believe this. Like, well, do you really believe this? I'm like. I do. Good is good. Okay. And wrong is wrong. And if it's not, then we should all give up. Like, we should just, we can't read anything in the Bible. If we don't know what is right and what is wrong. You know that it is wrong to for for a child to be murdered or to be like slaughtered, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> here we go. The gloves are off. Seriously, I'm just like this. This bugs me so much because I'm like, it just it doesn't actually it doesn't work. Okay. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Okay, wait, wait. Or we shouldn't listen to anything the Bible has to say. Just saying. I no, sorry. The only <laughs> okay. The only reason I've had so many people have said to me like, see, you don't really know what. But you don't really know what good is, you know, because you're not God. And I'm like, okay, then then what are we doing? You know, like, then how can we even read anything? Okay, sorry, you go Okay, ahead. no, no. Yeah. Okay, so I know this is the one you'll have most problems with. Yeah. I, do you think there's, is there any credit you could give to the idea that if you created, um, if you were a creator of something, that there is this sense of um, ownership that you have of this thing and that there's this sense of a, a right you carry to change it, to crumble it and start over, to 
Like that there's this sense in which if I'm, like one of the things I'm saying, uh, what I don't love is that people take this argument and it can make it very cruel, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, And you begin to paint this whole other like God that is just like completely separated from Jesus. I still have to, like my big thing is that I have to figure out how I believe this with the Hebrews one and the Colossians one passage. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So I've got a, I've got an issue, but what I'm saying is I, that when Job says that God gives and takes away, mm-hmm. right. That yeah. I, I get that. Like he's the one who created the mountains and the rivers and the trees. And he literally formed us. It was his plan to make us like, so I can't just come to God as an equal. Um, and I, th- and, I, and I'm at least willing to say that. Yeah. No, I, I am too. I, I totally, of course. Like, but I don't think, I just, I, I guess I feel as though it's when you're talking about, I guess because more and more, I'm just so convinced when I, the more that I, the more that I interact with people, the older I get, um, the more I see everyone has a backstory, the more I see, you know, because it's, it's easy to think that person is evil. And I'm not saying that people aren't, have <laughs> hadn't become evil. I think I totally believe that we do, we can turn ourselves into monsters, you know, like I, I get that, but, but then you see the backstory and you're like, oh, okay, like, oh, wow. In a lot of ways you didn't have all the odds were stacked against, you know, against you in this whole thing. Right. Um, God, of course, would see all of that. And I believe God is good. So uh, what I struggle with more is, and I, and this is, this, this conversation has come up when we talk about eternal conscious torment, right? Hell mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and I just, I, I can't stand it when people talk that way as though it's not, no, this is God being, you know, good. And I'm just like, well, no, let's, let's not, let's not change the definition that we all know. We all know what, what good is at a very base level. And I, I guess when you're talking about the taking of an innocent life, like, I know there's a mystery to it. You know, I totally don't. I know there's a mystery to it. And if it's, it's one thing when it's like, well, why did that, why did that child die, you know, of leukemia? Why, you know, like, it's like, oh, those are, those are such holy and sacred conversations. And you're just like, oh, it's like, there's, yeah. I don't understand. Did God, did God take the child home early? Like, I don't think that I believe that. I mean, at, at the same time, I believe that child was with the Lord. Um, but it, it just feels like it's, it maybe, maybe part of what I'm uncomfortable with is, um, is, is even going near it. <laughs> you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I guess I don't, and maybe I'm th- my reaction in particular has more to do with saying God can do whatever he likes because he's God, too bad for us. You know, because I'm like, well, sure, maybe he can. Just like, just like if you're the, uh, you know, the, the dictator of North Korea, you can do whatever you want to do, mm-hmm. right? He has the power to, for yeah. sure. Um, thankfully, God won't do that, right? We, if we see, if, if, Jesus, if Jesus was correct in how he described the Father, and how he described we can approach the Father, then we 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 should know in our in our bones, as N.T. Wright would say, that that God wouldn't do that, right? Like God is good, and good is good, and evil is evil. You know what I mean? So I just don't. I think that's what I react to when it's like He can. And I know I don't think that you don't actually believe that. Well, whether God can, God God will do whatever He wants to do, and we have no argument about it. We don't get to. I just I'm like no, I don't I don't I can't buy that. Does God do things that are beyond our understanding? Of course He does. Absolutely. I'm not. I'm not saying, I think I just feel like it doesn't feel like a strong argument for, for these stories, for this particular context that we're talking about. I just, I'm like, I think I have mm. trouble buying it. The hyperbole argument makes a lot more, gives, uh, to me, feels like it carries a lot more weight than, than this one. So, so would it be helpful to remove, I, I know we can't ultimately in, in the argument, but to remove like women and children or what we feel like are the innocent, like. If, if, if I said to you right now, does God have the authority, even though he created Vladimir Putin, he loves, Vladimir Putin was made in the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, had probably an upbringing that wasn't great, got involved in the KGB, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know we believe that God loves Vladimir Putin, but yeah. what if God were to say, enough. I'm going to take him out? Tonight, in his sleep, he's just not going to wake up in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I get that. And then, and then it's like, you know what? He's the potter. Vladimir's the clay. He, he he can give and take away. And like that's more of the pill that's easy to swallow. Yeah. Versus um maybe the genocide or the Yeah. What yeah. or the freak like accident that takes away the innocent someone totally. or something like that. 
I guess I'm saying I cannot. Here's where I'm coming from. Yeah. I can't erase this one. Right. From my, I'm climbing a rock wall, right? I'm trying yeah. to figure this out. I can't, I personally can't get rid of this one because I fundamentally think that even from a, just a rationally thinking through this, if I simply say he's the creator and I'm the created, <laughs> then uh, I believe he's given me, um, sorry, I wanted to say like 10 things at once there. <laughs> he's the creator, I'm created, and he actually has a role that is different than mine. Right, yeah. I get it that he can't, he's not going to like break the rules of what good is. Right. I, 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 I yeah. agree with you on that. Like okay. if he's good, he's good and mm -hmm. good means something. Yeah. Um, but I'm willing to be stretched in my understanding of good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's up there breaking a rule, but I do think like in what way are my assumptions about what is good? Will I one day in heaven go, hmm. Wow, he was weaving something very different than what I thought in the world. Yeah. Um, and he loved every human that ever lived for the moment that they lived, <laughs> mm -hmm. for the time that they lived. And, and there was a time for some to live and some not to. Obviously, I way more prefer the Vladimir Putin analogy than the baby. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, of course. I'm yeah. being honest. Yeah, I, I, th I hear you. I, I guess I'm... Like what I'm not, what I'm just, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable with is the idea, and maybe it has to get more specific, like is the idea that God has somehow sanctioned a soldier to break into a home and slaughter, a, a, you know, a, a woman and a child. Right. You know, suddenly we're right. not, sorry, we're not PG-13 anymore. But you know what I mean? Like that's where I'm like, nope, nope, that's not good. And that's, and so I agree, I agree with what you said, that God won't break the rules of what is good. Um, I think I'm like, yep, that I totally agree with. Um is it helpful, though, Corey, for you to see that I don't think in Scripture, I can't think of a moment where God um, uh, oh. hmm, maybe I can think. Okay, scratch that. Sorry. <laughs> okay, no, it's okay. No, and again, I just, and part of it is, it does feel as though we do need to look to Jesus in the end, right? Yes. Um, like, we have to look and say if Jesus is actually the, the visible image of the invisible God, and and he tells us to love our enemies. And, you know, then I just, we, I think at the end of the day, we have to go with that. You know, and yes. I know you're making, this is the, this is one of the, the holds for sure. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a tough one for me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, two years later, you still don't like that one. No, <laughs> I, know, so weird. Totally <laughs> um, I only have two more. We can make them quick. Um, yep. First of all, f one of a helpful point is just the moral framework idea. Mm. Um, the fact that I have a moral framework and feel weird about violence in the Old Testament is because of God's word. Mm. Um, the very fact that I don't like it is because of Jesus. Um, uh, so first of all, the Imago Dei in Genesis 1 teaches me that everyone is made in God's image. Yep. Uh, secondly, Jesus says, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Mm. So if someone isn't following Jesus, I would ask them, why do you believe that violence in the Old Testament is wrong? Or even to the person that's willing to walk away from their faith, deconstructing, right? I'd say, mm -hmm. well, you're willing to walk away, um, but your very moral framework that you're using to walk away was gifted to you from the scriptures, I think. Hmm, I think right. I want to say a little bit more really quick. Like, why can't Elijah defend himself with fire? Are we not in a survival of the fittest? Like, evolution. Like, if you if you just believe, okay, um, it's all survival of the fittest, that makes sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's no real right or wrong. So why, why would you think this is wrong? It's because of Jesus, I believe, or from the scriptures that we have this idea of the sanctity of life. This is a really ongoing conversation. Lots of ink is being spilled. I love, I'm just, I was just actually listening to a podcast on this, hmm. is that just this idea of, of we are gifted a moral framework from the scriptures. Totally. Yeah. So it's don't, don't throw away the scriptures and go, Oh, thank you very much. Now I have my moral framework. I'm fine without the scriptures. Yeah. It's actually the very scriptures that you're having a problem with that actually give you your moral framework. So, so, uh, in his book, river out of Eden, Oxford, um, professor Richard Dawkins, he says, 
He says, quote, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Hmm. So he's saying moral categories, categories of good and evil don't exist. So who cares if people are killed? You know, if there's no yeah. evil or good, then the atheist should have no trouble with the violence in the Old Testament. There's nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. And I would argue there's only conflict because of Jesus mm -hmm. and because of the book of Genesis. And if it weren't for Jesus and his message of loving your enemy, there's no conflict, um, which is why I like C.S. Lewis, who says, um, my argument against God was that the universe seemed so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? A man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing this universe with when I called it unjust? Yeah. So I just, one of these things is just, just to be really careful. And I really offer this sincerely to the person who's deconstructing. Cause I'd say, um, be careful how quickly you walk away from Christianity. Hmm. Um, because maybe you're walking away from the very gift that gave you the moral categories to find the things in the Bible troubling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I actually love this point a ton. I think it's exactly right. And and I feel like that's, and again, C.S. Lewis, he I think probably maybe in the same little section here where he's talking about, he begins his argument for God by saying, like, we all have this curious notion that there is such thing as right and wrong, right? Yes. We all have a standard. Yes. And and then he said, of course, then the next part of that is that we all fail to meet that standard. Like, we all, yeah. so... He's in that's, that's where we begin. You know, that's how he begins his argument for God. And that kind of makes, that goes back to what I was arguing for earlier as well, this idea that yes. we, we know, we know that there is right and there is wrong. And, and I think you're, I, I totally agree with this. I think it has everything to do with the person of Jesus and the scriptures. And yeah, I was just having that, what you just had a conversation with a friend who, who, um, you know, just, I don't know, deconstruct. I feel like it's almost like I want to throw out that word now because it, it's, it's, it means so many things to different people. Um, but definitely wrestling with a lot of faith things, you know, and I just, and I was like, well, even Ruby and I are talking because Ruby's taking some classes where she's getting really, a lot of things that are really challenging. And she's like, mm -hmm. oh, what do I, what do I believe about this? And I had never heard that before. And, and like m my position is just like, man, I think, I think the world needs more super thoughtful Christians that are willing to, to wrestle with these hard these hard things that are coming up and, and maybe we're like, wait, that doesn't seem right to me at all. And yet are willing to do the hard, messy work of sticking it out and actually be like, but I'm not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, the proverbial yes. baby out with the bathwater. There are too many babies that are being thrown out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like, honestly, seriously. we should have a bell because I think we've used that expression every podcast. I know, exactly. Baby, baby in bathwater. Bath I know, totally. It's like, let's put the baby back in the bathwater. Just throw some <laughs> of the bathwater out, not the baby. Um, yeah. So I totally, I totally agree. I think it's totally true. Um, for sure. And of course the challenge, which is what we're talking about is like, and how do we, something like this, how do we figure out what does this mean? Because yes. a lot of Christians, a lot of Christians will be like, no, it's this, war is justified, you know, like uh, invading another country is justified, it, you know, whatever, defending ourselves to whatever means necessary. Like all those things were like, oh, well, how does that work with Jesus' commandment to love our enemies? You know, and anyways. Well, those yeah. people have a bigger problem because they're not reading Jesus. True enough. Like right. I feel like yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. take Jesus super seriously. For sure, yeah. And yeah, if you don't, if you don't have a problem with the, violence in the old testament then i don't feel personally my opinion is that you're not taking jesus teaching seriously right yeah and you've got that's a bigger problem yeah i like that yeah if you're you need to at least be wrestling with this it yes. should feel a little bit uncomfortable yes yeah totally. so so if i can just kind of put a bow on this here at okay. the end to some to, to summarize i think we have i think there's hyperbole at times yep i think there's uh there's the limiting of destruction that god gives his people not a great argument, but it's there. Mm -hmm. There's the whole unseen realm where God is victorious over dark powers. There's the potter and the clay argument. Boo. <laughs> and there's, I finally, there's the moral framework piece. Um, where do I get this idea that there's good and evil? And I, I find them personally all somewhat helpful. Um, but I want to end with this. Um, there's, a, there's a story where Jesus uh, tells his followers to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Mm, right. And tons leave him. They walk away. Mm. And he looks at his own disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? It's a really kind of vulnerable moment, right? Mm -hmm. And they go, where else will we go? Like you have the words of life. And mm. I'm like, that's kind of how I feel about 
this. Um, and right now I have the person who's deconstructing in mind, you know, right. um, wanting to maybe walk away from faith and maybe violence in the Old Testament's one of those things. And I'm just like, just a reminder that we as Christians follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, we're Christians because we are little Christs. Like right. we're, yeah. we're Christians. We follow Jesus, his teachings. The son is the image of the invisible God. Um, he's the exact representation of God's being. And so um, even when the Old Testament is complex, mysterious, I still believe it's God's word. Um, I have to remind myself that I follow Jesus, that I'm, d- I'm a disciple of his, and uh, I orient my life around that. Yep. that that's, that's massively important. Totally. So just to sum it all up. So wait, so why then could the disciples not call down fire from heaven if Elijah could? <laughs> just joking. Tell well, me. ultimately, because Jesus is God walking right. with them, and he says no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Even though he said yes. <laughs> well, joking. that's what I I'm saying. I, I mean, know, exactly. I, yeah. I'm saying it seems like God said yes to hey, Elijah. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but, you know, you know, like, actually, one of my friends says that this, I, I've never actually thought much about this, so I hope this isn't heretical, but he calls it like, like if you have a new software upgrade. Yep. Or like a new patch to something like a video game. There's a new right, right, yeah. <laughs> and it's like he kind of he, it, it's really funny the way he describes it. But he's like, there was the Torah that was a upgrade on civilization, right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there were probably some other upgrades. And that, but then when you get to um, uh, Jesus, it's the final upgrade. It's the final software. It's the mm. it's the one that should now your whole operating system should should go by. Forever. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, with Apple, whatever it is, your previous, uh, whatever is Catalina or Monterey or yeah, wh- yeah, whatever yeah, right. all the Sierra or whatever all those mm-hmm. um, uh, operating systems were. But now this one has come and that's it. The others had lots of benefits and hmm. actually lots of similarities, but this is the one you need to go by. Progressive uh, revelation is what you're talking no, about. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. I guess kind of like. I definitely believe that God was slowly revealing himself for right. sure. Yeah. Like through the tabernacle, the law, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then coming to Jesus. Absolutely. Jesus is the climax. Yes. Um, yeah. And I believe all the old Testament points towards Jesus. Um, I just know that people take these ideas and do dangerous things like cut out the old Testament, like right, Marcion, right, right. like Marcion, you know, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, old yeah, heresy. Totally. And I, I still think there's extreme powerful value in the Old Testament, that it's God's word. So I'm just trying on that. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm saying the disciples need to go, I'm not a disciple of Elijah. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Yeah. So whatever mystery there is there, mm-hmm. I, 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 there's where else will we go? It's right. him. Like I have to follow him. So do you think it's, I know we're, we're wrapping this up, but do you think it's legit then for Christians, our answer just to be like, I don't really, I mean, we can have these conversations, but I don't, I just don't really know in the end. I don't know what to say to you, except for the fact that I follow Jesus and I do believe violence is wrong. And I, and I don't want to, I will always do my best to love yes. my enemy as myself. I don't know what to say about the Old Testament. Kind of. This is my, what we just did here was yeah. my version of, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an, I don't know that carries, hopefully handholds. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I am saying I don't know. I'm saying there's a mystery here. Yeah. But I don't want to just say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I have a lot to say about my I don't know. Totally. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. Oh, man. I got to run to a meeting. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm so good. sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> this is good. North Langley, we love you. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And we will talk to you on Sunday, if not sooner. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.